I'm David Marcus, host of Drinks with a Deal. And today our guest is Ryan Stone, group director for corporate development, new ventures and strategy at Cadence Design Systems. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us today. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So you offer a a really unique perspective that we haven't had on the podcast since you're in corporate development. You were a corporate lawyer before going to Cadence and then had a somewhat unusual route even to law school since you were in the Marine Corps between college and law school. So we'll talk a little bit about your background as well. So with that, tell us a little bit about your background and how you found your way to law school. Of course. The journey from graduating college to law school made a lot of sense on each step of the way. But in hindsight, it looks like it was a kind of a winding path. As I was graduating from college, I was looking to join the Peace Corps, thought this is a time to go out, have an adventure, do something new, break new ground. I was from Texas, went to college in Oklahoma, hadn't explored the world all that much. A couple of Peace Corps volunteers convinced me that as a 21-year-old, I didn't have much to contribute and that I should think about taking a different path, one where I developed my skills and then volunteered in the Peace Corps once I had something to contribute. I was a pilot, thought about the Air Force, thought about consulting, but a Marine Corps recruiter really sold me on that that was the path. If you want to challenge yourself, if you want to be uncomfortable, joining the Marine Corps was the way to do it, especially in 2006 when we were in the midst of two wars. And so I joined the Marine Corps. I ended up being a intel officer, served for four and a half years, and had a tremendous experience that profoundly affected both my career as an attorney, but also how I can solve problems and view the world. So tell us a little bit about that experience. Kind of, It started off in the U.S. and then you ended up in Afghanistan, correct? That's correct. I would break up my Marine Corps experience into three main blocks. First, I was supposed to go to an intel shop at a helicopter squadron in San Diego. I was going to have two enlisted Marines reporting to me. Instead, the captain in charge of the entire intel group of about 80 Marines, 13 helicopter squadrons, was deployed to Iraq. So I, starting off, was thrown into the deep end, leading 80 Marines who knew their job better than I knew my job and probably knew my job better than I knew my job. And I was tasked with leading them. And that lasted for a little while before the Marine Corps decided to form a new helicopter squadron. And I selected to form the intel shop at that squadron. And this was me and two junior Marines creating the processes and all the ways to manage both the security, but also how does a new helicopter squadron manage the intel. And it was a very startup-based environment. And then finally, I deployed to Afghanistan, where I was an advisor, led a small team of advisors of Marines leading Afghan soldiers. We trained with the Afghan soldiers. We patrolled with them. We were USAID. We were the State Department. We helped run elections. Basically, we did development work. We had everything that was needed 
to have a functioning government and we manage the entire process. And so that was basically the three chunks of my Marine Corps experience. And then how did you get from there to law school? There's a couple of different factors at play. One, when I was living in San Diego, I was living with a couple of attorneys and realized their life was much better than my life as a Marine. But that was the primer to set the wheels in motion. After the Marine Corps, I traveled and worked in a couple of different countries. I worked in Senegal, India, and Thailand. And each one, I was working with a larger organization, but also helping smaller locals on projects. So in Senegal, I was teaching and helping at a couple orphanages, but I advised a man creating a nonprofit on sanitation. And from the entire time I was in Senegal, it was eight or nine months. The nonprofit that this man was forming, the sanitation, hadn't yet formed for the nine months. And the main issue wasn't business, it was legal. And so seeing the need for legal expertise, if you want to do work in the development field, led me to law school. And you also got an MPA when you went back to school, master's in public affairs. Yes. I went to the Kennedy School and got a master's in public affairs. It was one of the more interesting points of my life. It was a highlight that going outside of your area of expertise to learn can have a massive contribution to the focus of your job. And it's almost embarrassing to say this. I went to the Kennedy School because of a woman who is now my wife, and we have a kid and soon to be a second kid. But it was a very important and intellectually stimulating time. So, Ryan, after you graduated from Columbia and Harvard, you then, instead of going to a law firm, went to Microsoft. Could you talk about that decision and then the experience you had in the year or so you were at Microsoft? Of course. Microsoft was a phenomenal opportunity. Brad Smith, the president of Microsoft, went to Columbia for law school, which is where I went to law school, and Princeton for college. And for a while, they've expanded beyond those two schools. They brought in new attorneys straight from law school into the DC office of Microsoft. And they generally brought in two of these attorneys every year. And you got to focus on whatever issues interest you the most. They provided a blank template almost for you to go out, meet people in Microsoft and see how you can contribute based off of your interests, but at the same time, help the DC office. The Trump and Hillary campaigns were going on at the time. And so I got to help out there. I worked on US-Africa trade policy, Paul Ryan's tax policy. And so it was a very interesting time to see the world of politics, but also for a multinational corporation that said, okay, I want to do venture capital work, renewable energy work. How can I help Microsoft? So as I understand it, that was part of a program for Microsoft to attract lawyers at the beginnings of their career because they found that it could be hard to get some of the candidates they wanted later on. But then kind of you ended up going to a firm 
So tell me about why you decided to go to a firm and then whether part of that thinking was that you didn't have, because you hadn't been at a firm, you lacked a specific legal skill set. Yes. I would say some of the people of this program stay at Microsoft. A good number go to a law firm. And there's a number of reasons why. First is in-house. They expect you to come in with the legal knowledge and the training to develop the foundational legal knowledge is not there. And so you don't have the training wheels. You don't necessarily have the support. And you're working with business people often who don't have legal expertise and don't know where your gaps are. And so going to law firm helped me provide a foundation of legal knowledge that's needed. Also, you're developing mental models when you're a junior at a law firm and knowing how to focus on the right problem. And you don't have that. And so I often would spin my wheels at Microsoft going through issues and issues and issues and find out that it wasn't actually an issue and I should have been focusing you know, in a different direction, but I didn't have the foundation to know that. And so I needed to go to a law firm to create that foundation and help build out my mental models of legal issues to focus on. So did you have a very specific sense when you went to a law firm that you were probably going to spend three to five years at a firm and then go back to an in-house role? Not exactly when I joined a law firm, but within three to six months, that was my plan. Yes. What did you gain from the experience of working at a law firm? And in the end, why wasn't that environment an appealing one for you to make a career in? Or put another way, why was going to a business development role or being at a corporation more appealing? Those are probably two different answers. But being at a law firm was a combination of looking at what problems I wanted to solve and where I wanted to focus my energies. And I liked being at a law firm. You do a really good job. Law firms do a great job, but it begins at an LOI often, ends at closing, and that's 80 to 90% of your work. And then you finish a transaction. And I remember moving my folder for the project into archives and then never thinking about the deal again. And people who love it often seem to love the puzzle element of making everything work. And I needed to feel some sort of climbing a mountain and having an ongoing relationship that I wasn't feeling at a law firm. I also started realizing that my strengths lied more in the big picture and more risk-seeking. Maybe this was my Marine Corps personality coming through and that I was feeling constrained with the detail-oriented risk mitigation of being a law firm attorney. So talk about your transition back into the corporate world. The transition back to the corporate world was challenging from the get-go. We had just closed a large transaction and I was tasked with integrating and we were near the conclusion of a second transaction. So I jumped right into the deep end of two deals already in process and had to learn about the transactions and contribute from the beginning. And then shortly thereafter, about three, four months later, we had some turnover in the corporate legal team at Cadence. My boss 
the AGC of corporate, went to become a general counsel at a different company. The senior attorney managing our governance, SEC governance and board relations and compliance went on parental leave. And then the more junior corporate attorney went back to a law firm. And then our stock admin and our paralegal left, retired. And so I became a US corporate legal team of one with a new paralegal and a new stock admin and had to learn far beyond just M&A and my core skills that I had developed at a law firm. But it was really, really interesting. It was actually probably the most enjoyable time as a lawyer was those four months where I was covering for 70 years of legal experience that left. Just because you had to do so much. And I guess in comparison to private practice, you probably had a pretty wide breadth of issues you were focusing on. There's a wide breadth of issues and less support than you have at a law firm, though I will admit I used law firms quite a bit for skill building, knowledge building, and it was key to making it work during those four months. But broader issues. And it was during the time of developing the proxy, the 10K. And so there's a lot of additional work that was very important and skill heavy that was going on that I had to get up to speed. So what did you find was most helpful in terms of building your skills and your knowledge base that you got from your outside lawyers? And what were things that you maybe got from your outside lawyers in that regard that were less helpful than perhaps the outside lawyers thought then? Yeah. On what the outside attorneys provide, I think there's two parts. Is There's me and what I brought to the conversation and then what the outside attorneys brought. And kind of going back to my journey on the Marine Corps was it actually reminded me a lot about my Marine Corps experience where you are forced to make decisions with incomplete knowledge and you have to act on it. And you're relying on outside experts to guide you, but you're the decision maker. And it was very much that. It was balancing how much knowledge do I need to have? How do I get it? And then how do I use it appropriately? And feeling uncomfortable with the discomfort of being outside of my element. The best attorneys, and this is something I think Outside of this, all in-house attorneys, when they are all law firm attorneys, when they go in-house, will find something similar is that law firms often provide the sausage making and they say, here are all the issues. Here's a 30 page document. Here's a 10 page document summarizing the key issues and why it's a key issue. And what I really needed was a playbook of what are the decisions I need to make and when. And why? And you can provide the longer documentation of the background, but have it as a pendant. Refer to page five if you want to know more. But what I really needed was to minimize the time I spent figuring out what I needed to do. And that's what the good attorneys did. Is they'll help you manage the process and they'll say, these are the three or four key decisions you need to make. And here's when you need to make them. Exactly. And the win is an important part. We get an M&A, diligence memos that often talk about risk and why the risk and maybe recommended actions, but oftentimes they don't have the win. And that's one of the key 
decision-making processes is like, at what point and in what order should I make my decisions? Talk about a change your transition from a legal role to a business role and how those two jobs are different at a company. Yeah. The transition was challenging at first. And I can describe some of it was myself and ego is when you make this transition from law to business, you want to show off in the rooms when you're with the attorneys saying, I know the issues, I understand it. And it took me a little while to put my ego aside and say, my job is to listen and to have a smart, productive conversation and not show off that I understand the issues. And so the initial switch was a lesson for me of sitting back, being the listener, and led to a better interactions with the M&A team at Cadence and with outside counsel. I also came with a little bit of ignorance of what the role was like on corporate development. You work with them, but as a lawyer, you see a very small percentage of what corporate development actually does. And shortly after switching, I had lunch with a partner at a law firm who had a similar question that I asked my boss. This partner asked me, when you get interested in a target, what do you do next? And the first time I switched to corporate development and we had an interest in a target, I went to my boss and I said, how do I reach out and connect with them? And something that simple, you often don't see in the legal world. The longer I've been on corporate development, the more I see larger abstract differences and focus and methodology. So for example, what I mentioned earlier about being an attorney is often LOI to closing. And that is where the lawyers focus on. They focus on the deal execution and it's very process oriented. It's very linear with problems and solutions that you resolve and you get an end result. But in corporate development, it's the opposite. About 80% of my work is before the LOI and after closing. And it's a lot more non-linear, dynamically complex. As you bought a systems thinking book to help me analyze and view this process better. But it's one of the big differences about being the detail-oriented lawyer versus a big picture business person is that the scope of what we're looking at is just very different. One other thing that I have been thinking about is where you provide the value and the focus, which is lawyers think about what you're getting from the target and the risks associated with that acquisition target. Well, I'm often thinking, how do we derive value from this acquisition? And you derive value by providing something from the buyer to the target that they don't have. And so whether it is better capital allocation, better manager oversight, valuable skills, or however it is, my focus is on what we provide versus what we're getting. Talk about the challenges and rewards of your current job. Yeah, on rewards, there's a big benefit of finding a job that fits your personality and what you like. And I am very happy in corporate development. The job is a lot of fun. It's challenging. There's a lot of work. There's a lot of uncertainty, but there's a lot of personal reward in this job and corporate development, it fits who I am. And it's always nice to end up 
being slotted in somewhere that you can mesh well with. For challenges, corporate development is more uncertain than the legal world. There's a lot more spinning your wheels, unsure where you're going, trying to find a path, and sitting there saying, we need to go in a certain direction, and I need to work with a lot of stakeholders, but not sure how we get there. And a lot of my job is to iterate on that, figure out where we need to go and how do we get there. And it's always a challenge, especially in a technologically advanced company like Cadence Design Systems, where I am not coming in here with an electrical engineering, computer science degree, and yet I'm having to guide us and help us in aspects of a tech-heavy. So how do you get the technical knowledge you need? And also, as you're looking at a potential target, how do you evaluate what Cadence can provide the target if Cadence acquires the target to make that entity a valuable part of the overall business? I mean, are you in some way looking for weaknesses at the target or things the target doesn't have that Cadence does have? How I learned and go about this is a couple fold. First, I started off buying textbooks and reading them, EDA, Electronic Design Automation Textbooks, which is Cadence's core business. And it was too detailed. It was how you actually do the process and wasn't relevant enough. And a lot of the learning comes from, in a similar way to making the switch from legal to corp dev, which is put the ego aside, be a sponge, and use every conversation with technical and business and marketing people to learn and grow and come out better. You need a foundational knowledge, just like basically my career path. You need the foundational knowledge. But from there, it's about having conversations and engaging and trying to apply the knowledge that you really grow. And so that's the stage. I'm still in the stage. Most of my corporate development peer, maybe all of them who are on my level, have a better technical understanding than me that has helped them. But I'm rapidly growing in that capacity and relying on engineers when I have gaps. How do we leverage our capabilities to provide to help the companies require? The EDA space is interesting in that there are fewer large players. It has been a more mature company that has had a lot of acquisitions in the past. And so Cadence has developed expertise and skills and is the best at the game and has been for a long time. And so what we are often looking for is gaps in technology, gaps in location, needing more resources. And so the natural bringing into Cadence and to our foundation, our structure, our stable system is a value add right there. And so a lot of it is how do you piece them in that we don't break our system or break their system. You're teaching a course at the Haas School of Business at the University of California, Berkeley this spring. Tell us about that course. Yes. The course is called Law for Entrepreneurs and Executives. And it's a legal strategy course for MBAs for business students. I went and got a 
MBA at Haas as I was making the transition from law to business, decided to go get an MBA. And one of the things I realized from talking to classmates was a large gap in legal knowledge that is essential for success for entrepreneurs, but also to making better strategic decisions that just didn't exist. And Haas did have this course. And things that I thought, and probably most lawyers at this time had internalized and thought were fundamental, just wasn't there. And I'm sure most deal MA attorneys have seen issues because of mistakes and formation mistakes, legal mistakes throughout the process of running a business that led to profound challenges or issues when they try to sell or have an exit. And so this course is to help make that process better for business students where they're not making the same mistakes. And then finally, you mentioned this a little earlier. Tell us about how your experience in the military has shaped how you view your job now and shaped your career. Yeah. My experience in the military, and I talked a little bit about it, of having gained the ability to embrace the discomfort of being the non-expert and then having to apply knowledge. And I think almost all attorneys have experienced that. All business people, all professionals have experienced that at some point in time. And it's really helpful, definitely as you pivot from career to career and job to job and your role within the jobs to be comfortable with this uncertainty and then be able to execute with skill and succeed in it. And I learned that in the Marine Corps. I did not have that beforehand. The time building a helicopter squadron in tow shop taught me something about process. It is really important is that an intel shop at a helicopter squadron will only have an intel officer when they are going to deploy. For the rest of the time, there's a pilot who manages the process. And a pilot doesn't care about the intel shop as much as the intel officer does. And so what often happens is six months before deployment, an intel officer gets selected to go to a squadron, and then they spend three or four months cleaning it up and then getting ready to deploy. And so my thought was, how do you make a process that is nearly unbreakable? And that happens throughout my career here. Process matters and process can make a good deal go bad because of a poor process. And so being very cognizant of how do you project manage, how do base feedback loops interact and can affect transactions and affect success. And then the last one is the point to Afghanistan was all about stakeholder management with people who have differing agendas and different perspectives. And that is the role of a deal attorney and deal expert. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. For Drinks with the Deal, I'm David Marcus. 